So how many of you wrapped up the fast uh, on Saturday? We broke the fast. How many of you are done? You're st- how many of you are still going? Still got a fast going, Ellen? Thank you. You in today at two, you said? Yeah. So I, this was the most significant fast that I've ever been on. I've been on fast before where uh, I've just gone hungry. You know, have you ever been there before? And, and you know, it was really... Uh, this time coming in, I, I just, I, I had a sense that God just was really going to do something significant. And I was believing God for revelation. You know, Daniel fasted 21 days for revelation. That was the purpose of his fast, was he had, God had given him a vision and he wanted to know what the vision was. And so he fasted for 21 days. And then God gave him the answer to the vision. And this was for me, the most significant ending of a fast. Literally, when the fast was over, I didn't want it to be over. Even though in the natural, because we were, we were buying food, we had men's breakfast uh, Saturday, it was so good. And it was great getting, getting with everybody and having, having some great time sharing. But uh, as Nicole and I were at Walmart and we're buying the food for the men's breakfast, you know how you walk down the aisle and they have the little... They have the little kiosk, and the lady, would you like to try a sample? And she had waffles, Dan. She had homemade waffles. I was like, oh, my word. Yeah. And I walked over, and I went, I went like this. And Nicole goes, honey. I looked at her, and I went, oh, I, we got one more day. I said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I'm on a fast. I said, I, I'm sorry. I got caught up in the fact that we were buying food. But, but literally... That night, as I was going to, before I went to bed, I was just thanking God, and I was just lifting my hands, and I was just worshiping Him, and I was saying, God, I I don't want this to end, and the cool thing is it doesn't have to. I'm not talking about the fast, but I'm talking about the ability to hear clearly from Him, Him speaking to my heart during the fast, and it was so amazing, and I, and I, I know that the difference is, is that when you go into a fast with hunger and you hunger for what God's going to do, for what he's going to say, for what he's going to reveal to you, and when you go into that hungry and there's an expectation there because you're hungry. I'm not talking about natural. I'm talking about you're hungry spiritual. You're hungry on the inside. You know, you're hungry in your spirit, man. Right? And I love it. Zach referred to it this morning about those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. And much of the time, the way that we come into a place and our expectation that we set determines what we receive. Like your expectation coming in here today and the message that God has put in my heart will determine how much you receive from the message. See, it, it, it all doesn't depend on me. I, I'm not interested in putting on a show for anybody. I'm not very good at it anyway. I'm not a good actor. I don't have a good poker face. You know, I mean, if God psh, hits me, I just, I begin to cry. I don't know why. It's a thing. But, um, but, so you, under, you, you guys understand what I'm saying? So, so, Anyway, I went into this fast and there was this hunger in me to receive and it was like, wow, 
I said, God, this is so amazing. So as I was praying, I said, Lord, what do you want us to talk about this morning? And this was the word that I felt like he gave me is, what to do if you lose your hunger? What to do if you lose your hunger? I grew up next door. Um, we lived in our neighborhood. There was a house, our house, a house, the pool, um, the neighborhood pool. And then the next house was a house of a family uh, that they had seven kids. So it was always cool because there was always stuff going on because they had seven kids. And it helped that, seven, uh, that six of them were daughters, you know. So I would go spend time over there hanging out. And so we were playing a board game this one time. We never, I never dated any of them, okay? Just so you know. Just want to say that. But so I would hang out at their house though. And we were, uh, we were playing a board game. And it was getting into the evening early evening and the husband and the wife, they came downstairs and they were wearing these sweatshirts. And on their sweatshirts, it said, stay hungry. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, those are cool sweatshirts. What, what does that mean? And they said, well, we're celebrating our 32nd anniversary. And so we bought these and we had these made as a reminder to keep the flame burning for each other. Keep the flame burning. See, Hunger is our responsibility. Because what you feed on is what you hunger for. I almost, okay. So, let's get into it. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. You got your Bible? Excited? Deuteronomy chapter 6. <clears throat> you know, many people pursue what God can do for them or through them instead of just pursuing Him. Just pursuing Him as a, as a person. And Jesus is the bridegroom, right? We're the bride. He's the bridegroom. We're the bride. How would that work in a relationship? with your spouse, if you pursued what they could do for you, instead of pursuing them and who they are. How would that work in a relationship? Some of you are laughing, it wouldn't go over well, would it, Gary? No, that wouldn't go well at all. So why? Because your motive. And oftentimes we have, you know, I've seen this over and over in ministry, and I know many of you have too, as well, you know, where people get very serious suddenly about the intensity with which they pursue him when they have a great need in their life. Instead of pursuing him. Now, I hope I get this testimony right. It's so great to see Scott and Monica, Michelle, and Abby. Love you, miss you guys. But they are doing an amazing work in prison, in jail, 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 Benton, Benton County Jail. Yeah, they go up there and man, they minister to those guys. Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, probably would want to go every day if they could. Congratulations on your new job, by the way. Um, but he, so he, why did I even bring that up? I'm so sorry, Scott. Where, where was I going, God? Thank you, Jesus. I got hung up on your job. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, pursuing, we're pursuing the bride groom. We are the bride of Christ. He's the bridegroom. So we are pursuing him. So 
so I've seen people that have pursued God when they have that great need in their life. And then when the need gets met, they pull back. Got what I want. Everything's cool now. Problem solved. Thank you, God. Interesting. Oral Roberts was asked this question. He, he was asked this question. Why do ministers fall? Why do ministers fall? And I thought his response was so interesting. He said, you know, many ministers will um, pursue God for Sunday morning. They spend a lot of time in the word, spend a lot of time in prayer, getting ready for, whose phone? phone. Is that my phone? (laughs) I I turned it on silent. I don't know what happened. That's all me, guys. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, so, but he said this, he said, he said, many people will pursue God for what he can do through them. Ministers pursue God for what he can do through them. You know, in ministry, ministering to a crowd, ministering, you know, at ministry time, whatever it is. He said, but then they go home on Sunday after the service, they eat and they don't pursue me anymore. Man, God is the most used person. Yeah, I heard that story and I just went, wow. So now every, every time I come home, I get on, at some point I'm, I'm gonna get on my knees and I'm gonna thank God for what he did here on Sunday morning. Thank you for bringing what you brought. And then Monday, <laughs> thank you, God. Sunday was amazing. You showed up. <laughs> it's always a great Sunday when you show up. It's not a good Sunday when God does not show up. Let me tell you. All right. Okay. Because uh, I'm going to read to you guys. See, I told you, c- c- crying. So <clears throat> one of the main things that causes a person to lose their hunger, you know what it is? It's comfort. It's comfort. Everything's going well. I have a need in my life. Pursue God, pursue God, pursue God. Get the answer. Okay, I'm comfortable again. And uh, I've discovered that our comfort's not a real priority to God. So, you know, so, and God, he warned Israel about this. So if you're there in Deuteronomy 6, look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Let me show you. Wow. I think we ought to get ready because the anointing just feels really strong up here right now. Um, Deuteronomy 6, verse 10, it says this. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers to give you, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. Man, that's a great gift. A city that you did not build. Houses full of good things which you did not fill. Imagine you're walking in to a brand new house, debt-free paid for that's furnished. Come on. <laughs> Houses that you did not fill. Who not wells which you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. That represents business. You got your own business now. You got your own winery. You got your own business. So, and, and it says, but he gives this warning. He says, but when you have eaten and are full. That sounds comfortable. Um, then beware. Everybody say beware. beware. Lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So he gives us that warning. See, because it's easy to become comfortable when things are going well. 
you know, or we can reach a certain comfort level financially uh, in our life where we get used to that level of living. And so anything beneath that, it wouldn't be comfortable for me. This is why some people don't go on mission trips. Wait, they don't have air conditioning? Uh-huh. We, when we were in the Dominican, we stayed in a city uh, called Oswa. Oswa is very, it's extremely hot because it's nestled between the ocean and the mountains. And man, the heat just, I mean, you're just dripping, uh, you know, and we could work for 20 minutes out in the sun and then we had to go, you know, sit under a tree and drink a lot of water. I mean, it was just, it was so hot. <clears throat> and the pastor there, he kept trying to get me to come and stay in his home. He had a beautiful home, three-story house. Up on top, there was a basketball court. It was a real, he had a church underneath. It was a really cool place, uh, but he didn't have any air conditioning. I said, and, and, you know, when there's not air conditioning and they don't have screens on their windows over there like we have here, you know, so, you know, and when you're a fair-skinned boy from Tulsa, Oklahoma, the mosquitoes love you. They just, come right to you. And I said, I, I just don't think I would get a great night's sleep. I said, I, I think I'd be more valuable to you if I could go sleep in the hotel with the air conditioning. And he said, you spoiled Americans. Yeah. I said, well, okay, so you're, you are an American, by the way. Just no, I'm too. Uh, I, said, spo I said, anyway, I tried to explain to him, that I, I've grown up with air conditioning all my life. It's not that I'm spoiled. We just, every house has it there, but, but, but people don't want to go on mission trips. I don't want to be uncomfortable. Don't put me in a position. And so, so what we would do when Americans would, you know, would come over and we would host teams, we would make sure that they ate American food mostly. And then we would, we would caveat some local fare, you know, but, but we would put them in hotels where the air conditioning, why? Comfort, comfort. Because outside of your comfort zone is discomfort. But I think God is inviting us to a higher level of discomfort. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. How many, how many of you remember that movie, Rocky III? I, out of all the Rocky series, that's probably my favorite out of, out of all three. Because Mr. T's in that one, Clubber Lang. You know, he, he wants to fight Rocky and he's trying to get them, he's trying to get him to fight him and he finally gets it to where he can fight him and, and when, he, when Rocky says, I want to fight this guy, his trainer Mick says, I'm not, I'm not training you. He said, you want him, you got him by yourself. And so Rocky goes, he said, he said because this guy will kill you. He said, this guy will kill you. He, he is hungry, Rock. He said, you haven't been hungry since you won that belt. And Rocky says, what do you mean? I've had 10 title defenses. And he says, that was easy. Those were hand-picked. He said, you mean they were setups? He said, no. He said, but they're not killers like this guy is. He'll knock you to tomorrow, Rock. You guys were waiting on it. Be honest. He'll kill you dead. And that's the worst kind of death. Well, then Rocky goes, he sits down and now he's depressed, you know, he sits down on the couch and Mick comes over and he says, he says, Rock, he says, three years ago, you were supernatural. He said, you had this cast iron jaw, 
He said, but one of the worst things happened to you that could happen to any fighter. You got civilized. You got comfortable. Comfortable. Wow. Comfortable is being satisfied with where you are. Uncomfortable is I'm hungry for more. So what do you do? What do you do when you feel like you've lost hunger for him? For the bridegroom. For the bridegroom. One is this. Press in to the word of God and prayer. I'm not talking about what you've done before. You know, if you've ever done exercise, you know, you can, you can work out a certain way for a while, but then you have to do what they call shock your body. You have to change up your routine. You have to do something different so other muscles get to participate and get to grow as well, right? Well, <clears throat> think about this. In the kingdom of God, it works differently than here. You know, you go on a fast and you don't get to eat and so you get hungry. This is why the enemy came at the end of the 40-day fast with Jesus and said, and said, why don't you turn these rocks into bread? Because he knew he was hungry. You know, that's in the natural world, but in the spirit realm, here's what happens. When you feed on the word and you put it in your heart and in your soul, in your eyes, and it sinks down into your heart, you get more hungry. You get more hungry. You're not satisfied and you want more of him. Here's the second thing. That's the first thing. Everybody say the word and prayer. Prayer. Press in. Come before him. Worship him. Spend a bulkier time just worshiping him. Just thanking him. Yeah, bring supplication, but don't make that the number one thing. Make him the number one thing. And then get still. Pull away. Have a place where you can close the door and you can turn off your phone like I should have and get before God and pray and seek him. Here's number two. Change who you hang around. You want to become a giant killer? You got to hang around a giant killer. You can't hang out with the same old crowd and expect a different result in your life. Get around hungry people. Oh man, it, it encourages me. Now, I don't, I don't hunt, so I don't know if I'll get this story right because I didn't grow up hunting and fishing. So I, I'm a city boy, I'm sorry. You know, I played basketball, we, football in the front yard, but I didn't, I didn't get to hunt and fish. And it sounds cool, but so, so I don't know, I, I, you know, I, I, I hope I get this right, but those dogs, the, the dogs that point, those, the pointers that, that they go out and they, they, they point to where the bird, you know, the bird was shot, where it fell, right? Right, all those dogs, if one dog points, all the rest of them will point. That's called honoring the point. The one dog that found the bird, all the other dogs point. Sometimes we need to honor the point in worship. Up here, we see a person that's on their knees, that is hungering after him. You get around hungry people, then what happens is you begin to point in the same direction they're pointing in. Yeah, that's good. Is that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so giant killer, come on. Here's, here's the problem for some people is that they go to support groups. You know what a support group is? It's a group of people that all have the same problem. 
I'm, I mean, I just want to be honest with you and want to be real with you. And, and, and we need some of that. We need, we need camaraderie and we need comfort and we need, and we can console each other. We can comfort one another. But we also need to get around a giant killer. Someone that will help us understand how to encourage ourselves in the Lord and slay giants. You know, the people that you don't hear about in the Bible, David's mighty men that killed giants too. I know there was at least three of them. I'm sure, I'm sure there was more than that. Three of those guys killed giants too. Why? You hang around with the giant killer, you learn how to slay some giants. All right. Did, did I work that over enough? Okay, so... You become like those you hang around. Let me read you a scripture that has to do with that. It's Proverbs 22. Give Masha a hand on the graphics, by the way. She, I apologize to her this morning because sometimes I go so fast, she's like, (laughs) and she's sitting down, you know, so you don't want, it's anyway. Proverbs 22, verse 24 says this. It says, don't befriend an angry person or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them. You want to hang, hang around somebody that has the same issue, eventually you're going to need to hang around someone who has come through the issue and has come out on the other side in success. All right. Okay. I just want to make that point. So, all right. One of the first signs of a lack of hunger is criticism. This is one of the first signs of a lack of hunger in a person's life. Well, Phil, how do you know that? Miriam and Aaron, and, and Aaron, Miriam and Aaron, they criticized Moses. Pharisees criticized Jesus. Joseph's brothers criticized him. David's wife, Michael, she criticized David for worshiping the Lord. How dignified you were today. Oh, I told Nicole this because when you read that, when you read about Michael and she says, how dignified the king was. That just, I mean, that's, well, it's one, it's sassy right from the start, but it's sarcastic, isn't it? I said, oh, man, the enemy is so crafty because sarcasm is like the first step toward criticism. Cool. Yeah, I was thinking on that this morning. I was like, wow, let me read this to you because this was something I, I just read yesterday. I was like, wow, that's so good. We never become so mature that we have the right to talk about people and what they're doing wrong. We never come to a spiritual, well, I, I'm just, uh, what, do you, what do you call it when you're uh, sensitive to the spirit? And uh, I, I'm just that, I, I'm just so sensitive to the, to the spirit. No, you're critical. Jezebel. So um, anyway, Uh, so it's possible to be comfortable. Think about this. It's possible to be comfortable externally and be hungry internally. Okay. It's possible because comfort, there's a level of comfort out here in success. You know, wealthy people, I, I know, I know many wealthy people that are, are comfortable, but miserable people. They're comfortable externally, but they are uncomfortable internally. There's something not right. All right, and, and are there, anyway, I'm kind of messed up on the inside, but let me give you an example of that. It's over in 2 Samuel. This is David. 
David, God has brought him to the place where he has crowned him king. He's in Israel. They've taken over Jerusalem. He's, and he is living there. And they have built this cedar palace for David. Listen to what David says. When David was settled in, I'm sorry, in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all those surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan, the prophet. And David said, look, I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is there in the tent. God has brought him to a level of success and what he's thinking about is, why is God in a tent? I'm in a cedar palace, I don't belong here. This is the king of kings, this is the Lord of lords. I don't belong in a cedar palace while he's in a tent. But the danger is when you become comfortable internally give you an example of that same man, 2 Samuel 11. It says in verse 1 that it happened in the spring of the year. At the time when kings go out to war, David sent Joab. I've done enough of that war stuff. I got people to do my dirty work for me now. I can, I can rest and take my ease. I remember another guy in the Bible that said that. And God said, get ready because you're going home tonight. You're going to step into eternity tonight. Mm. Wow. The biggest problem with Christianity is that we're more influenced by the world than the word. So Joshua, when Joshua died, the Lord, God, he raised up all these different judges. And they would come into the land. I want to read to you out of Judges chapter 3. And then we're going to wrap this up. Judges chapter 3. It says, so the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against them. And he sold them into the hand of the king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served him for eight years. Then the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So here they are pressing in, drawing near to God. And the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel. He went out to war and the Lord delivered the king of Mesopotamia into his hand. And and his hand prevailed against him. So the Lord had rest, or the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Then guess what happened? Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord again. They pulled back to where they were before. They cried out to God. They drew near to God. God is so gracious. He saved them over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then finally God went dark. He did. Remember that period between not right about, you know, Malachi leading up into when Jesus came? He went dark. No one is pursuing him. The book of James says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Sometimes a spouse is waiting for their significant other to draw near to them before they'll reciprocate. God is wanting to see us draw near to Him. 
He's wanting to see that hunger. He's wanting to find that hunger in us. So sometimes though, people only see God when they need an answer. Once it comes, they pull away. Presence in the Old Testament, it's interesting. It's, it's when this word is used, it actually means the word face. Literally it means the word face. And so face is, you know, this countenance, the delight of a father for his children. And so when we steward, man, that phrase just saying steward the presence of God is just kind of, when we steward ourselves to lean into the presence of God, his countenance toward us is, is that of a, of a dad that is so pleased with his kids. You know, I know, I know when my kids were little and they would run to me, I loved picking them up when they were little guys. I miss the twos and threes. I really do. People said terrible twos. I, I was, they were a terrific twos. I loved it uh, because everything is such a big deal. Look at the squirrel. Dad, that's a squirrel. I mean, you know, you don't get that when they turn 16, 17, you know. It's a whole new world. You know, it's a different deal. But man, you know, think about, and so think about God. He's kind, man, some people say, well, I just don't understand why we have to lift our arms. Well, think about it this way, that when you lift your arms and you're worshiping Him and pressing into His presence, He is coming and you're saying, God, pick me up. Pick me up. And so this morning, <clears throat> there's an invitation for all of us, Vision Church family. It's an invitation to hunger again, to come to that place again of hunger and humility <clears throat> where, God, you're my one desire. You're what I want. We've done the Martha thing. But Mary was at his feet. I heard one, one person say that Martha was making tacos that Jesus didn't order. Martha was trying to host. She was busy. But Mary, on the other hand, was pressing into his presence. I desire that so much in this church. Why? Why do we desire that? Because every answer is in Him. Every answer. There's nothing He can't do. And, and the problem is not on His end. I'm going to say it's on this end. Because I notice whenever I press in and I humble my heart before him and I just press into his presence, man, he f literally fills the room. Literally. We, uh, we, <clears throat> we were at a place, our family, where we were going through some stuff. And I remember one day we went, uh, we were all in Zach's room. And um, I got on the phone with Pastor Cletty, Keith, Man, this guy, I, he just, man, the presence of God, 
darkness all over this guy. And we had traveled, we had been in so many churches. I mean, we were in a different church every Sunday. We were traveling for five years, so you get to see a lot, you know, different people. I talked to Dan about that too, you know. I, in fact, I asked Dan, I said, Dan, when Dan Moeller is who I'm talking about when he was here, I, I asked him, I said, I said, what, you know, you've traveled a lot. What, what would you say is the biggest problem in Christianity today in churches? And he said, it's self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. I said, wow. And, but we had traveled, you know, like that. And we, and so we, we were in his church. I remember he invited me and Nicole to come, come to this Bible study he was having on a Wednesday night. And it was back in this very small room and there was, uh, or in this small room and there was, I don't know, 12 people in there. And we sat down. He said three words and stopped and said, he said, do you guys sense that? The Holy Spirit just filled the room. And as soon as he said that, I just started crying. I mean, it was like, suddenly it was like his presence just went. I'm not advocating an experience. I'm not trying to get us in the church to have experiences. I'm, I'm trying to open the door for the king to come in so that he can fix things in our lives. So that we can become big people in him. Because I've discovered this. My goal is not to grow a large church. I, I was, Bill Johnson and I got to do a, we got to go to a, a sit down at Victory last weekend. And, and it was a Q&A with Bill Johnson. And he was answering these questions. One of the, one of the questions they asked was, um, if you could go back and give your 20-year-old self advice, what would you say? And he said, I would say, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. And he began to talk about how that in his heart, he said, he said, my goal was never to grow a big church. He said, my goal was always to grow big people. He said, because if you have a lot of people coming, he said, he said, you got a lot of problem. I mean, there's a lot of problems to deal with. He said, but I knew that if God could help me grow big people, he said, they would be able to manage themselves. Why? Because all of us, because you, they had learned how to function in the kingdom of God. But what I, and so I want to get into more of that. But what I felt was I was like, God, I don't feel like I can go there until we first get the hunger right. The hunger has got to be right. We have got to want, we've got to want him more than we want anything else.